Thanks for joining us today. We love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com and pick the giving option that works best for you. Help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. You know, I say it every once in a while, but I got to tell you, I'm truly thankful for the fact that we are in a church, a body of believers where there's stuff happening. And we occasionally have to take time in our service to stop and talk about all the stuff that's happening. And we don't want to be just sitting on our hands and not doing anything in life, but we're moving the kingdom forward. And that's because of the commitment of every person in this room. Uh, So thank God for that. Thank God that there's stuff going on right now. Well, again, we're glad that you're here today on this holiday weekend. You could be anywhere you want to be, but you chose to be in the house of God. And I believe it's for a reason. I believe that God blesses his people. I believe that uh, he deserves us coming together and worshiping him. I'm excited about today. Uh, There's a verse that we're going to look at because we're starting a series today called A Renewed Mind. And in this verse, uh, we pick it up where Paul is writing a letter to a group of people, the Romans. And we see uh, what he says is this in Romans 12, verse 2. We're going to look at this part of the letter. He says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. See, I, I think this is a verse that a lot of us have heard. In fact, there's probably many in this room who have even memorized this verse in the past. But we're going to take some time and look at it again today. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. See, what Paul says here is so significant, but who he says it to is profound. Because Paul is writing to believers in Rome. That's why we call this letter Romans, because it's written to the believers in Romans. So he's to a group of believers who have decided to make Jesus the leader of their life, their Lord. And they've asked Jesus to forgive them of their sins and give them a home for heaven. They've made him him their Savior. So a group of people who know Jesus as Lord and Savior is to that group of people that he says, guys... Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but instead be transformed by the renewing of your minds. So really what he's saying here, I hope you catch this, is that it is possible to be saved and yet settle for salvation and never truly experience transformation. It's possible to have a relationship with Jesus where you know without a doubt when you die you're going to go to heaven. You know, it's tied up. I know he forgave me of my sins. I know that I believe in him. I trust him in him. The Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. So I know I've got a home forever in heaven. It's tied up. That's, that's locked in. But he's saying what you got to catch here is it's possible to be saved and yet live this life conformed to the world, not changing, not transformed, and missing out on so much more of what God has for you, what he wants for you. Jesus, in fact, tells us that he's the good shepherd. In John 10.10, he says, "Um, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you might have life, and you might have it to the fullest. He's saying he came for life. He came to give us salvation and forgiveness, but, but it's not just about our eternity that he's talking about. He's saying 
this 80 plus years that we have on earth now, it should be the very best life. It should be an abundant life if you're following me. It's going to be a changed life, a transformed life. It, the best life you could possibly imagine. But, but you got to understand first that, 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 see, you can opt to not change. You have free will. You have a choice to, to not change. And this verse here, Paul's saying, I don't want you to conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk from the subject, a renewed mind, a renewed mind. This is going to be at least three week series. We, I don't know, we might go longer than that, but we're going to dive into this thought because we, we recognize the importance of it for every one of us who are a follower of Christ to understand this principle that Paul is sharing with us. Now, since I'm saying this is a series here and we're going to be talking about one complete thought that that, that Paul is expressing to us, I want to encourage you to make sure you don't miss any of these upcoming weeks. If you're in a pattern right now where you might just be hit or miss on a Sunday, catch one Sunday, then maybe miss the next or whatever, you're going to miss uh, some very important stuff that that can be life-changing and pivotal, transformative for all of us in this room. We all need this, so I want to encourage you to be here over this next several weeks. Don't miss a Sunday. Change your plan if you need to, uh, but don't miss a Sunday. We're going to dive into this together, but uh, first I want to invite you to pray with me uh, as we get into this. Heavenly Father, we just humbly come and submit ourselves to you right now. We pray that Jesus, you would be glorified in this place. And I pray right now that... um, that I would get out of the way and that you would speak to us as we open your word, that God, we would begin to be transformed and we would begin to have a renewed mind uh, like you desire for us. So be with us today. I pray you speak through me now and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, this is a powerful principle because it teaches us that you don't fix your life by trying to fix your life. In fact, that's what a lot of us do is we... We have an area of our life that's messed up and we fix all of our attention, all of our focus on trying to fix that area of our life. Have you ever done that where you think, you know, if I could just get my health under control, then I'd be fine. If I could just get my spending under control, then I'd be fine. We, we focus on that. Or if I could just get this habit under control, then I would be fine. And we focus on it and think, you know, if I could just fix this symptom, then my life is going to be fine. But, but really we're taking a symptomatic approach at changing our life. My family, we, we all got the flu right after First Revival. I know we, our whole church pretty much got the flu after First Revival. We passed that around. But I remember our, our whole family, we were sick. And, and the sickness we had, it came with a lot of symptoms. And, and it would have been ridiculous if I would have sat on the couch and said, well, what I'm going to do is I, I'm not liking the runny nose, so I'm going to focus on fixing the runny nose and then my wife says, well, I don't like the cough, so I'm going to focus on fixing the cough. And we're like, we're, we're trying to segregate the areas of our, of our sickness that we didn't like. And we're trying to compartmentalize. And if I could just get that fixed, then I'd be fine. We'd all go, well, that's ridiculous because the problem is not the cough. The problem is not the runny nose. The problem is that you have the flu. And, and, and we go, okay, that makes very clear sense. Well, why is it in life then sometimes you and I go after the symptoms we have in life. 
We go, well, I have a symptom of overeating. I have a symptom of spending too much. I have a symptom of getting myself in trouble relationally. And we think, if I can just fix that symptom, it'll be fine. And Paul's going, no, no, no. You've got to understand something. You can't just go after the symptomatic thing. You can't fix your life by just trying to fix your life. You have to fix your life by fixing your mind. And when you finally understand that that. Where you can renew your mind and then your life will be transformed by that. That is where change happens. Have you ever tried to help someone whose thinking was wrong? I mean, I know there's some of you in here. How many, how many parents in here? Uh, how many of you got like adult siblings that you've tried to help before? Uh, I, how many of you have tried to help someone and their thinking was wrong? If you help someone and their thinking's wrong, you know what happens. Everything that you give them will be lost because they don't have the ability to keep it. A couple years back, I had a guy get an appointment with me, and he showed up in my office, and he just said he needed to meet with me, and I I didn't know what it was about. And I think I was about 15 seconds into the conversation with him when I realized he's here because he wants me to pull my wallet out and give him money. And, And he starts to explain to me all the trouble that was going on, and honestly, what was going on in the circumstances of this man's life were pretty sad. And he was beginning to tell me because of financial problems, his, his pregnant wife had to move back to their hotel, uh, hometown. And now he's stuck here living in his car, finishing out one job project so he can hopefully then move back home to their hometown and they can be a family together. And he wanted to be there for the birth of his child. And, and he was explaining all this to me, but he said, and, and I'm just hurting so bad financially and, and I can't get back right now because I got bills to pay and, and hopefully I could get the money to be able to reunite with my family. And I know this is leading up, and I'm just waiting for him to ask me for money. And, and he finally says, so, uh, so right now, I said, what, what can I help you with? And he goes, can I have $200? I said, $200 is going to get you back to seeing your family? And the man said, oh, no, I don't know how much that's going to cost. He said, this last week I found a stray dog, and I just thought, uh, you know, if I could help the dog out. So uh, he's been living in the car with me, and I thought if I could get him a kennel and I could get him a collar and a leash and some food and all this. And, and I stopped, and I just kind of shook my head, and I said, man, I can't help you. He's, he was offended by this. What are you talking about? I, said, I can't help you because your thinking's wrong. Because you're telling me the problem you have is that you don't have the money to be able to get back and reunite with your family. And then you're picking up other things that are going to drain even more money off of you. And you don't have a plan to get back with your family. I can't help you if your thinking's wrong. And what Paul is saying here is going, you can't go through life just trying to fix yourself. You have to fix your thinking first. And once you fix your thinking, if you can get your head out, then the rest will follow. If you can't get your relationship out, get your head out. If you can't get your health out, get your head out. If you can't get your joy out, get your head out, and the rest is going to follow. In fact, elbow the person next to you. Tell them, get your head out. Yeah, that's what I said. (laughs) Get your head out. Some of you don't enjoy telling that to your spouse too much. This is going to come back around. But... We've got to understand that what Paul is telling us from the get-go is you have to fix your head first. You've got to fix your thinking first. And once you fix your thinking, then the rest of your life 
will follow. See, our thoughts are so powerful and they're they're so important that we understand this. And and see, God has even began taking some of us and he's began pulling your head out of where you've been thinking in the past. He's been snatching your head out. Even as we've come into 2017, there are some of you now that you feel like God has taken your thinking and he's taking your head out of what you used to be comfortable with and you're not comfortable with it anymore. So, so now you're moving into this new year and you've got new appetites and you're thinking, I- I'm no longer satisfied with the mediocre. I'm no longer satisfied with apathy. I'm no longer satisfied with hanging out with that same group of people and going to the same locations because it's like now I've experienced more and, and there, there's appetite that's coming with that. I know there's some of us that, that since first revival took place, we've experienced things on a different level. And experiencing worshiping God on a level that maybe we haven't before. And and praying with other people on a level that maybe we haven't before. God is beginning to take you to a place where it's like he's pulled your head out of an old season, an old way of doing things. You used to be okay with it, but you're not okay with it anymore. So now you got friends calling you up on the phone. Saying, hey, meet us at the bar. Come out with us. Uh, just skip church this weekend and come with us out of town. And you're hearing this stuff and it's like there's still a pool there. But all, all of a sudden you realize it's like I'm no longer satisfied with that anymore. It Could it be that God is taking you to another level? J- just like he told John the Isle of Patmos. He says, I want you to come up here. Uh, you've been thinking on a lower level and I want you to bring your thinking to a higher level the deep of God is crying out to the deep in you and saying there's so much more there's more available to you but but you got to understand it's it's only available to you if you submit that part of your life to God and allow him to work on it the part of your life that can affect every part of your life and that's your mind are you willing to submit your mind to God your thinking to him Changing the way that you're thinking, renewing your mind. See, it's one thing to want a renewed mind, but it's a whole other thing to be ready for a renewed mind. Because you can, you can want change, but if you never get ready for it, you're never going to experience it. And, and see, God always considers your readiness before he brings you to the next levels of revelation. He's not going to teach you something or give you something that you're not able to handle yet. So he waits. Are you getting ready to where you can handle blessings on another level? Paul was real frustrated with the people of Corinth when, when God wanted to share some things with them. And, and Paul is saying to them in, in 1 Corinthians 3, he's basically saying, you know, there's things I want to talk to you about, but you're not ready for it yet. 1 Corinthians 3.1 says this, it says, Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. In other words, he's saying there's a conversation that God wants to have with you, that the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you. He wants to teach you new things, but you're not ready for it yet. I can't have the conversation because you haven't gotten yourself ready. So if we want to have a renewed mind, and what I want to talk about today is how we get our mind ready for renewal. 
Not just hope that God would transform us and hope that he change us, but what are the steps I can do right now to get ready? So this next couple of weeks as we dive into this as a church to where God can begin to transform my mind. He can change me. He can renew me. So I want to encourage you. We're going to talk about three points. Write these three points down. If you don't have something to write down on, I know you got a phone in your pocket. Pull it out. Open up a note and write it down. Uh, Because this is something we all need. If you're sitting next to someone and they're not taking notes, give them like a judgmental eye or something right now, right? Because this is something every one of us in this room needs. If you want to be ready for a renewed mind, a mind ready for renewal is number one, this. A mind ready for renewal, number one, is an open mind. An open mind. If you want God to renew your mind, first off, you have to have an open mind. Now, let me, let me stop for a moment and disclaim. I'm talking about a mind that's open to the things of God. Because there's many of us, so we are way too open, of all the, open to all the things of the world. And all sorts of philosophies and all sorts of thoughts and, and what this person says on, on Facebook and what this person posts on Instagram and what this news station talks about. We're open to all these different ideological statements, but yet we, sometimes while we're open to all those things, we're closing our mind to the things of God. I wonder, are you open to the fact that God has a plan for you and he wants to do work in you? And many times that plan that he has for you is going to be in direct opposition to everything that you're hearing on TV and what people are talking about in the workplace. Are you open to what God wants for you? Will you open your mind to what God can do? Sometimes divine inter- intervention requires us to, to come to different degrees of open-mindedness. You know, a lot of times we're, we're waiting for God to open a door for us, but But maybe it's that God's waiting for us to open our mind before he'll open the door for us. All through the New Testament, we see that there was miracles that took place and and Jesus would heal people and bless people. And he did it many times in ways that if you weren't open to what God wanted to do, you'd miss it. In fact, there's there's a miracle that takes place we see in John chapter 9 that that unfortunately, I believe if it was happening to me, I might have missed it. I might have been closed off to what Jesus was trying to do for this man. But we see in verse 1, it says, As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned that this man or his parents that he was born blind? Let's pause for a moment. So Jesus is traveling along. He sees someone who's blind, who needs to be healed, who needs to receive his sight back. And his disciples were so closed off to the fact that God might do a miraculous work here that they began thinking on their own uh, abilities. And they began trying to bring this man's situation to something that they could come to terms with. So they start trying to diagnose him and going, well, so really, is the problem this man or is the problem his parents? Were his parents such bad sinners that he just was born cursed like this? And they're trying to analyze this problem. I wonder, do you have people in your life that when you go through a difficult time, instead of them being open-minded to the fact that God could bless you and change you and help you and lead you, they're trying to analyze what you did wrong to get you in that place in the first place? It's like, we got to be, God, open my mind to what you want to do in my life. I don't want to be someone who just focuses so much on the circumstances that I think I can understand around me that I'm closing my mind to what you really want to do. And Jesus had to teach them, whoa, 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 guys, you're missing it here. Like, you're so closed off to what God wants to do. 
Verse 3. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Jesus is saying, I want you to open your mind to the fact that God can do miracles even when a circumstance looks bleak. We don't have to figure it all out. We We don't have to understand and diagnose exactly why something happened. But instead, let's open our minds to the fact that God is good and he wants to bless. He wants to heal. He wants to forgive us. He wants to save us. So then it goes on. Jesus is talking. He says, as long as it is day, I must do the work of the one who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground. He made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and he came home seen. If we back up, it says, Jesus spit on the ground And he made mud. So hold on for just a moment. You're saying, if Jesus is going to heal this man, what he decides to do is first, he stops the situation. And before he heals him, he spits in the dirt and he makes mud. See, if this man didn't have an open mind, his eyes never would have been opened. Because I want you to just get into this story with me for just a moment. Because I think I might have missed this. Um, Just play along with me for a moment. and Just close your eyes right there. No one looking around. Just close your eyes for just a moment. Imagine you're blind. And you're sitting on the side of the road. You're you're wishing that you could receive healing. You're wishing that something could change. and, And you can't see anything. All you can see is dark. And now you've been hearing about this man, Jesus. You've been hearing, is this truly the Son of God? Can he really heal someone? And wait, he's here. He's coming over to me right now. There's all this anticipation that your situation could change and the darkness that you're seeing could be replaced with light. You could, you could gain your vision now. And Jesus walks up and you're expecting your miracle and you hear, Right? Right? You can open your eyes now. I mean, if you're anything like me, I mean, hold on. Whoa, hold on, Jesus. I know you're God and everything, but you ain't going to spit on me. Like, no one spits on me. Find a different way to do it, right? You touched other people. You talked to other people. Why are you, why are you spitting on me? Why does it got to be mud on my eyes, right? That's disgusting. Find a different way to do it. If this man's mind would have been closed, his eyes would have stayed closed as well. And I wonder if, if the truth is for some of us, there's things that God is trying to do in your life. He's trying to move you forward. He's trying to give you breakthrough and change things in your life. But when you look at the circumstances of what's going on around you and you see what God is asking you to do, you're like, whoa, that's weird. I don't think I want to do it that way. I hope that we could be the type of people that say, God, open my mind. I I want to be open to what you want because if there's going to be miracles taking place, I want to be part of them. I want breakthrough. I want change in my life. If you want a renewed mind, number one, you have to have an open mind. Then number two, you have to have an honest mind. An honest mind. A mind ready for renewal is an honest mind. See, I can't get where God is trying to take me until I first acknowledge where I am. I can't adjust what I won't acknowledge. I can't fix what I won't face. I can't conquer what I won't confront. I mean, have you ever known someone who's 
trapped in an area of their life because they're living their life in denial. I mean, we can think about it from a funny way. When you've met that person that, that says, man, I just, I struggle with my weight. I can't seem to get it under control. I, you, you know, it's like, it must just be genetic or I got a slow metabolism or something like that. And then you see them sitting at their desk later and they got a whole bowl of Skittles that just keep throwing in their mouth. Like, no, you, you got to be honest with yourself. You first have to face exactly where you are. We, we, we can't point the finger of denial at everything else. So I wonder, what about your mind? Are, are, are you honest with where you are in your mind? Not, not just in your health, not just in physical, but what's going on in the inside? Because first off, it, it really takes a level of, of spiritual maturity. And it takes a level of emotional maturity and and emotional health and emotional strength to be able to admit where you are honestly when it comes to your mind. Whether you're struggling, uh, whether you're sad about something, whether you're angry about something. Because it takes a mind that's healthy to where you can admit where you are without feeling bad about yourself. Because an unhealthy mind, a, a mind that's not maturing emotionally, would, would get to a place where you'd say, I don't want to admit I'm sad because that makes me feel bad about myself. I don't want to admit I'm angry because it's like pointing failure at myself. But, but you've got to understand, when you're admitting where you are, you're not admitting where you are because you intend on staying there. You, you, you're being honest with yourself and admitting where you are because you intend on leaving there. And an honest mind says, you know what, I'm going to face something right now. I'm going to face being angry. I'm going to face being hurt and dealing with forgiveness issues. And I'm going to face it for a while right now because if I face it now for this season, I can leave it for a lifetime. On the other side of this, we know people who, you know people, maybe it's you right now where you're struggling, where you've been stuck in something for what feels like a lifetime because you've never been willing to stop for just a season and admit where you are. And instead of saying, like, because the truth is, if you're mad, just say you're mad. If you're angry, say you're angry. If you're hurt, say you're hurt. Instead of feeling weak about yourself, to be honest with where you are. Because what we do on the other side of this sometimes is we think it's weakness. So we go, uh, someone says, are are you angry? No, I'm not angry. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. Whatever. I'm all right. And then we go home and we yell at our kids and we get in our fight with our spouse and we kick the dog. Why? Because we're not being honest with where we're at. Poor dog, it didn't do nothing to you. Just because we're not being honest with where we're at. See, Moses, before the Israelites uh, uh, completely were outside of the reach of Pharaoh and the Egyptians, he said something very powerful. He, He told them, he said, I want you to turn around and look. He said, the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. That's Exodus 14. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. He's saying, the enemy that you see today, you're not going to see it again. If you're willing to look at it and be honest this last time, just be honest with your problem. You Deal with it now in this season. You may never have to deal with it again. See, if we want to mind... Ready for renewal. We have to first have an open mind. Second, we have to have an honest mind. And then third, before we leave this morning, we have to have a humble mind. A humble mind. See, God can't teach me anything if I already know everything. One of the sad things I've learned in my life, and, and this truly is a, a sad thing for me to have seen unfold, but, 
There's been a couple different times when Amelie and I were, were, were a young couple. We got married super young. We were married at 18 years old. And at 18, we realized we did not have it together. We didn't know, like, because we, when you're 18, you think you know everything. But you live with a woman for a week, and you realize you don't know squat. So uh, we, it was recommended to us that we went to a marriage seminar. And we went to a marriage seminar, and we learned a lot about marriage. But we also learned something about people. Because at this marriage seminar, Amelie and I recognized there were people who had been married 40 years in this marriage seminar. And they were the ones that were sitting in the front of the class asking questions. Every time they could get a question. And they would ask a question. They're taking notes vigorously. They're, They're into it because they're trying to learn. And then I noticed there was also couples who were in their 20s. And they were sitting back like, nah, I got it all together. I know all this. I got it figured out. And and sadly, again, there's nothing good about this statement. But one of the things I've watched unfold over the years is it seems to always be the the humble minds that are asking the questions that are learning what they need for the level that they're at so they can go to the next level and they continue to move forward. And it's those people with their arms crossed that say, no, I've got it all together. It's those people that end up uh, struggling. And, and unfortunately, we've even seen some of their marriages fall apart. They were there where they could get the information, but they didn't have a humble mind. They thought, no, I've already got it all together. I already know all the answers. See, if God can't educate me, he can't elevate me. He can't bring me to the next level until I'm first willing to recognize I don't know everything there is to know about this level. See, the disciples never would have learned how to pray the type of prayers that would open up prison doors if it wasn't for the fact that they first had to get to a place where they said, Jesus, teach me to pray. You recognize in Scripture in Luke 11, it says one day, that Jesus, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. They were humble enough to, to say, um, I don't think I know everything there is to know about praying. And Jesus, when I see the way that you pray and I see what's going on in your life, when you're talking to the Heavenly Father, that, that I want that. I've been exposed to in a level. Anytime you're exposed to something greater, something newer, something, something better, it should create in you an appetite to want that same thing, to, to move forward. And if they had closed minds because they weren't humble minds, if they were closed off to the fact that, that there was more for them to learn, they would have never got to the place where they'd say, wait, I saw that there's another level that I could pray at, and I want that, so teach me. I don't have it figured out. They would have missed this if they would have thought, you know what, I've been in church my whole life. My parents have taught me how to worship God. I've been at the tabernacle every week of my life or at the temple every week of my life, so I know all there is to know, and they, they would have stayed at the same level. I wonder, is there an area of your life where you feel like you've stopped growing? There's a period of time where you were, you were growing and you were moving forward. Maybe it was in leadership and business. You continued to move forward and then all of a sudden you stopped. Maybe that place that you stopped at was the place where you decided you knew all the answers. You had it figured out. See, God can't move me if I have a closed mind because an unteachable person is an unmovable person. This last Monday, our staff was able to do something very special. There's a woman sitting in this auditorium right now by the name of Jill Buck, and she is our staff counselor, and we celebrated her 90th birthday on Monday. 
I'm going to have to hear about it because I told you how old she is. But um, I'll tell you, I admire this woman. I love this woman. We look up to her. Our whole staff, I mean, when you come in, you ask for prayer, you ask for counseling from a pastor. Those pastors go to Jill for counseling. I mean, we, we love this woman. She's so wise. But I think one of the things that's so beautiful about her and one of the things I admire in her that I want so bad in my own life is I recognize she's 90 years old and she's always trying to learn more. I notice she's the one that's asking the most questions. She's the one that's reading the most books. She's the one that's always trying to learn more because what she's learned in her lifetime is there's always more to learn. And it's refreshing because I've met a lot of people my age who have closed their minds because they've said, no, I've I've already learned it all. I already know it all. I want to be the type of person who... No matter what age and no matter what stage I'm in in my life, I have a mind that's humble that would say, you know what, there's more for me to learn. I want to learn more. An unteachable person is an unmovable person. And God is, is going to progress you to the level and to the degree in which you are willing to be taught. I wonder, if you know everything there is to know about marriage, then that's probably going to be the level that your marriage stops at. If you know everything there is to know about finance, that's going to be the level that you stop at. If you know everything there is to know about health, that's the level that you stop at. We've got to be people. If we want God to renew our mind where we say, you know what, I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to stop acting like I have it all together and I'm going to start asking some questions. So if you want a mind that is ready for renewal, it's it's then and only then when we have an open mind an honest mind, and a humble mind that God can renew my mind. It's when I'm in that place that I can ask the question that is really the the quintessential question for this entire series that we're going to be looking at. The question, okay then, if my mind is ready, how do I renew my mind? How do I renew my mind? You guys want to know the answer to that? Do you want to know the answer to that question? Then you're going to have to come back next Sunday. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that, that, God, you want us to change. You want us to grow. You're not content with us staying at the same level we're at, but you call us up. You call us higher. You call us to greater things, better levels of blessing, better levels of understanding. And, God, we pray right now for every person in this room that you would help us. That, God, where our mind has been closed, God, where, where we haven't been honest with ourselves, where, where maybe we've been prideful, we pray that you would help us this week in adjusting our own thought patterns so that we could be ready for the type of transformation that you want to see in our lives. God, help us to be the type of people who have renewed minds. We love you so much. We thank you. We thank you for how great you are. And it's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord and confess that you are my Savior, that you died on the cross for my sins and you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you to be my Savior 
to guide my life and to give me a home forever in heaven with you. And God, I ask you this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need additional prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.